Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the podcast that follows the money behind our beautiful game. I'm Kevin Day and I'm joined as ever by the expert in football finance at Liverpool University, Kieran Maguire. Hello Kevin. Hello, do you miss me calling you Professor? Um, I'm beginning to pine for well, it. Well, as we know from the last pod, it's Baron now. That's a great nickname, the Baron. Thank you very much. Because uh, it's properly all right because you don't drink, don't gamble, don't take drugs, don't. but you're the Baron, that's good. It's a good nickname. Um, see our pod of two weeks ago for further discussions on hilarious nicknames in football. Um, this is uh, Monday, so it's questions, because we've got a new regime now. On Thursdays, we have Kieran's in-depth analysis of the big stories of the week, and we did finish with an actual uh, well newsflash item, basically, at the end of Thursday, with your stories about Watford. Um, there will be more questions about that, but not today, because, as I mentioned earlier, this is two minutes later, so <laughs> we're moving on just for the... Quite, just for logistical reasons, we're recording two pods in the same day. So that today is your questions. Remember, it's questions at priceoffootball.com. Um, I can't remember if that's an email address or not, and I've moved my piece of paper. It, it is. is. That Kira's is, yep. Nod- yep. The Baron is nodding, so we're fine. Um, and uh, Shall I get the plea for good reviews? Over? No, I'll save it for the end. Um, so our first question comes from Matt Isles. Hello, Matt. Now, Matt's a third-year football journalism student. He's doing a special study on Chesterfield and how their finances were affected by their drop into the National League. And it still seems odd to me that Chesterfield aren't in the league somehow. It's, I, I glanced at the National League recently and it's like, my God, it's just, it is Division 5 to all extents and purposes now, isn't it? Essentially. It, it, it's all our memories. Yes, well, unfortunately it is. Well, Crooked Spire. Yep. Yeah. So how is it, um, in, in general, is, is the drop to the National League as disastrous as it, as, it, as it once was? I mean, going out of the league, I mean, in the old days when we were kids, Clubs very rarely went out of the league because you had to apply for re-election and the football authorities were reluctant to break up the old boys club and let new clubs in. So you occasionally got somebody like Wimbledon, but for the most part, teams stayed in in the league and bobbed along. But Chesterfield are one of those that dropped out. It's part of the, the pyramid now. Is it as big a problem as it, as it once was? It, it is quite significant. Um, the, the first thing that you lose is what's referred to as the solidarity payments from the Premier League. Now, for a League Two club, that's worth seven to eight hundred grand a year. Um, you will all you do get a parachute payment in your first season in the National League from the EFL. Um, so you do get a little bit extra money uh, compared to um, other clubs in the National League, but that disappears fairly quickly. Um, and and then, then it's fairly tough. And if, and if you take a look at what's been happening with Chesterfield, the, in 2018, they lost over two million quid. And we were saying, you know, I think in a recent pod... Yeah, last that, pod. That was that, two million quid for Watford or a Premier League yeah. club is relatively small beer. But if you're talking about a, a, a local village club or town club, whatever it's going to be, clearly that's a substantial amount of money. And that situation is going to get worse unless they can reduce the wage bill. And I think that will be the first thing that they, the club will have, will have attacked. Um, they're not having the greatest of seasons um, as far as the National League is concerned. It is very competitive football. It, yeah. it is, it's pretty exciting stuff. And you know, for anybody, uh, when the next international break, I, I would very much encourage them to go, go down, watch a National League game. You will enjoy yourself. And I I think you can also drink beer on the terraces. Well, um, you, you obviously you can't, but yes. Um, well, as you said as well in a previous pod, that the Winter World Cup might be a benefit for those teams because if you're not watching Premier League or Championship football, you could go down there. What, how do attendances tend to 
drop off? Um, you don't tend to get as many away fans. Uh, you know, if you think about it, you, you know, yeah. you've got clubs like Plymouth who have been in League Two and, and others clubs who who travel in big numbers. Uh, but if if the clubs come up from National League North or South themselves, you know, they some of them have huge followings. Stockport County are yeah, uh, they they really are travelling in numbers these these days. Um, uh, and there's somebody I used to live in Stockport and I used to go and watch County on a regular basis. So you know, I'm I'm hoping they're going to get up this season. Um, you, so you do lose out in terms of attendances, um, but they, they tend to sort of dibble along because if, if you're a fan of Solihull Motors, whoever it's going to be, yeah. you're, you're a fan of the club and, and you're there from cradle to grave as we all are. Yeah. Um, and they don't tend to get the tourist fans. They don't tend to get the fly-by-night. So it tends to be a, a reasonably hard uh, hardcore base. I think the, the issue is, is that they're not going? They're not appearing on. Is it Quest who now have got the EFL yes, rights? Yes, yes. So therefore, you're not getting the same commercial income and commercial advertising income and things of that nature. That hits the the uh, the national league clubs to a greater extent than anything else. What's the BT deal though? Because BT are very good at promoting uh, the national league, aren't they? And showing games. That they, they they do, but I think the numbers involved are pretty minuscule right. compared to. Um, to compare what Sky are paying the, the League One and League Two clubs, and, and the way that the Sky deal works is that eighty percent goes to the Championship, twelve percent to League One, and eight percent to League Two. Uh, okay. But even so, the, the National League is is a substantial amount lower than that. I suppose for some clubs like Leighton Orient, a, a, a couple of fans I know, the first season they get relegated is that kind of novelty factor. You go to every away game, and the problems then start when you're not promoted back again immediately, isn't it? When you find yourself four or five seasons down the line, you're still in the National League and you're trying to attract new fans. In terms of the finances, do, has there ever been a club that's dropped out of the Football League and decided to go part-time to deal with the finances? Or are they all professional now? They, they, you... they are all professional. We, um, and what we are seeing is that increasing numbers of clubs um, in the National League themselves who have not yet been promoted to the to the EFL, if they've got generous local benefactors then they will try to go full-time um certainly if you take a look at what happened with Salford City um they were being uh bankrolled you know nominally by the the class of 92 but actually I think it's a guy called Peter Lim um and he was putting in huge sums of money yeah. um and to such an extent that uh I think was it Adam Rooney went from Aberdeen in the Scottish yeah. Premiership to non-league English football, um, and by all accounts, he didn't suffer financially as a result of that. If anything, he did bet he was be- worth better off. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that's one of the things we'll be discussing when we do our Scottish special uh, in upcoming weeks. Stuart Barnett has asked a question. We, we're always talking about, unfortunately, clubs like Berry and Macclesfield and, and clubs in League Two always being on the verge of going out of business. He talks about Leeds United. Remember when Leeds United totally imploded in their bid to get to win the Europe, the Champions League, essentially? It, could a club as big as Leeds collapse again, is his question. Are there any any worries for Premier League Championship clubs? Because you have, I mean, one of your drums that you bang is Champions League Championship finances, isn't it? Yeah, but the, the clubs in the Championship, they lost £580 million in 2018. Um, you need somebody with deep pockets to um, allow the clubs to continue. Now, all it takes is... There could be it could be done for political reasons. So it could be that the Chinese government has said that we don't want to, uh, our 
our citizens to own English football clubs. Then there could be a fire sale of three or four clubs there. You've got somebody coming in. Um, you, you could have simply somebody's own personal circumstances change, as we saw happened with, with Berry. And I appreciate Berry isn't at the same scale of Leeds, but you are relying on these local businessmen, their businesses, carry on working. We're in uncertain times at present. If, if their businesses fail, then those businesses which are being used to subsidise the football clubs, that could disappear very quickly. So we're certainly not out of the woods. Um, FFP doesn't work in terms of restricting the, the losses clubs are making. As, as we've seen, it certainly doesn't have any much of an impact upon wages. So you put all those things together. Things are precarious. We're relying on the goodwill of the multi-millionaires and billionaires who, let's face it, historically, we've, been, we've, we've given a bit of a shoeing, but there's plenty of good rich people as well as some rogues as well. Well, that kind of leads us on nicely to the next question. It's, actually, it's not, it's the next question, but one, but I've decided in the kind of uh, producing it as I go along to make it the next question because it does, it does lead on nicely. It's a question from uh, Jazz Baines. Um, thank you for your congratulations, Jazz. It's very kind of you. He's a, um, a Wolves fan and he's talking about how well run they are by Fosun, who are a Chinese company. And we seem to mention China as many times as we mentioned FFP recently. But using Wolves as an example of a, of a well-run club, would you expect future Chinese investment in the Premier League? If it's in the interests of the Chinese government, if, if the Chinese government feels that um, they can uh, expand their influence, they feel it's it's good for China as a country. Um, the Chinese football fans, I mean, eighty percent of the, the kids that I teach at university are Chinese. They are all really? absolutely you know, besotted with with the Premier League. So it's it's something which um, people are very keen on in China and. We've seen this across Europe, that, that Chinese investment, provided the Chinese government believes that's for, for the be, in the best interests of the China as a country and for the fan base, then I think that will continue, um, but perhaps not to the same extent uh, of, of putting huge sums of money when it comes to buying clubs. So we've seen the West Brom owners, they, they've curtailed expenditure there. Um, I think Fosun having spent a, a huge sum of money initially, are now trying to get uh, Wolves onto an even keel so that it's being run um, as a business as, as well as um, an extension of the Fosun brand itself. Well, forgive me for not knowing this, but do Chinese companies have to ask then the permission of the Chinese government before they invest abroad? Um, normally, you would have to go in order to to transfer funds from China to overseas. You have to get the the approval of of the the relevant ministry. So, therefore, yes, there there, there would be a consideration from the government as a whole. This, this flirtation with Chinese football is not new, though. I remember when Palace bought Sun Jihai and Fan Jihai. That was they weren't brilliant players. So that was basically the attempt to get some leverage and foothold in Southeast Asia. So it's not it's not entirely new, is it? No, no. I mean, it, it's it's a massive market. Uh, you know, I think it's very difficult for us to conceive the, the the scale of how big China is. You know, the number of cities that they have of more than a million people population is, is just crazy compared to you know, we we've got three here in the UK just about, and we think we're a big country. Yeah. But it's, it's nothing compared to China. Um, it, it is a country which is developing, and it sees sport as as a way of. Um, Increasing its its influence and and uh, bringing sort of cultural awareness, you know, from in both directions. Well, I don't often get to say this, but from China to Ireland, um, we've had a question from James Morrennan, and we talked at some length in a recent poll about the accounts of the Football Association of Ireland 
and what a mess they're in. But James has got a very interesting question because he says, what role or blame should Deloitte get for this? Because these, these are the people who audited the accounts, um, refused to sign off these particular accounts. But as James points out, have signed off on many previous accounts when issues had been raised. So what's, what is the responsibility of, of the auditor and the people who sign off the accounts? And is there any comeback on them? Uh, potentially there is. I mean, it, if, if there is a complicated fraud, then auditors probably aren't going to spot it because you, you, don't, you don't look at things in that degree of depth. Uh, right. So you're assuming you would. that... You, you assume that companies oh, are legit- being run as legitimate businesses. Right. Um, or I think what happened in, in respect of the FAI was that money was going out and it wasn't being documented, it wasn't being approved, it wasn't being authorised, and that hadn't been to the same extent as before. Things very much accelerated in the final year uh, of, of what we've seen in respect of the FAI. Nobody really is certain as about what's going to happen in, in the future. Is, is, it, is it bankrupt? Does it need the government to step in? The government doesn't want to step in. It doesn't want to get involved in ultimately what is a private, private organisation. At the same time, Ireland's yeah, Irish football is, is huge in, in terms of its interest in, in what happens in, in English football. And they've got their own domestic leagues. And, it, and it's a way of flying the flag. So we, we'll have to wait and see there. But... Um, yeah, the the auditors effectively washed their hands of of the FAI accounts, but but still charged two hundred and fifty thousand euros for the privilege of washing their hands. Really, that's yeah. a that's a good wash, isn't it? So would they that would imply that there would be different auditors for the next set of accounts, or does it not work like that? They 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 could resign. Um, what they might be waiting to do is to see whether a, a new board is going to be brought in. Um, it's a high-profile job from from Deloitte's point of view, so you don't want to lose out on those. Um, they've done as much as they can. You know, I'm I'm always happy to give stick to to big corporates, but ultimately, you, you can't sign off on numbers which aren't there in the first place. This episode of the Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion. You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone. Whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football, and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Uh, this is a question from Mark Ridley, who's a Reading fan. Um, 
this is a really interesting question, I think, because it, it sort of delves into a slightly murky world. He uses, as an example, a player called Michael Hector, who went to Chelsea uh, for £6 million and has since been on loan to various clubs in various parts of Europe. So his question basically is, who's paying the wages at those various clubs? And is that a way of Chelsea recouping their money? Because at the bottom of his question is that the loan system used to be to get experience for younger players. They'd go to another English club for a season or two and then go into the first team at their club. But with Chelsea having so many loan players, it seems that they're using the loan system themselves to pay for the loan players that they're getting from, from other clubs. I think he's absolutely right. Um, what we have seen is, and I think we've discussed this before, the view of a footballer as a commodity which can be used by a club to generate cash. Um, so in terms of Chelsea, I think at last season they had over 40 players yeah. out on loan. Um, the majority of those players, I think the wages will be paid by the host club, by, by the, um, but for the likes of Tammy Abraham and so on, it, you know, Chelsea will have identified of those 40, 40 players, we think five or six of them have first-team potential. So therefore, we will put them on decent contracts. We don't want to lose them. Um, and therefore, we will pay. It Normally, it will depend upon the number of fixtures that the player has. So if that player plays 80% of the fixtures, Chelsea might pick up the vast majority of the wages. If it drops to 50%, then they might only pay half the wages and so on. So a lot of it is tiered towards getting um, the, the, the player some experience because they want to bring him into the first team the following season. For all of these other players, um, it's simply a way of generating cash. And if you take a look at Chelsea over the far past five seasons, you don't think of Chelsea as a selling club but they have made profits on player sales of £272 million, a quarter of a billion pounds wow. from flogging off players. And these will presumably be players that we've not heard of either, a lot of them. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah Oscar, we know when, yeah, um, Diego Costa. Yeah. And, yeah, so those will be the flagship ones. Moreto, he went back to, to Spain and so on. But there will be off, there'll be a, a huge number of players who will go for the, the two to five million pound bracket to another club in Europe, it might be to uh, a club in La Liga, but it's not one of the big three or four, so therefore we don't take any notice. Yeah. And what Chelsea and other clubs, you know, that, that by no means are they unique in this, is that they realise if they've got promising players who go on loan for a season, A, that player is uh, improving his chances of finding a new job, he's, he's in the shop window for 12 months, and therefore if... If originally we thought we could get one million for him at the end of the season, we could now sell him for three or four because he's a good season in Atalanta or or Besiktas or somewhere of that nature. So, say so to answer his question fully as well. So, say Chelsea loaned to Crystal Palace, one of their bright young things. Are we paying a loan fee for that, and then all of his wages, or are Chelsea paying some of his wages and we're paying the rest? It, normally, the way well, it, it it depends on how promising he is. So, for something like Ruben Loftus Cheek, who who I think came to Chelsea for Batshuayi, um, I think you'll be paying a proportion of the wages. But the proportion of the wages that Palace will pay will be linked to the number of appearances that he's getting at Palace. Now, I know Steve Parish. I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but because he predicts that the loan system will only get bigger because under twenty three football isn't fit for purpose for for developing young players so presumably this is going to be a lucrative market in in years to come what's what's the limit at the moment on how many loan players a club can have well the, 
you, I think you can only have two players come in to right. to the Premier League. Um, but UEFA and FIFA are both unhappy with what Chelsea have done. And they are threatening to put a cap on the number of players you're allowed to put out on loan. Now, if they, if they cap that at, say, a dozen players, that's, that's going to have a huge impact upon Chelsea's business model, which is, especially with EPPP the way it is, it's that they're just a factory farm. They, they then filter out the wheat from the chaff and they put a load of these players out on loan with a view to making money on the back of that. We're talking of business models. That's seamless almost, isn't it? Um, Tom is a Bristol Rovers fan. Uh, Tom is very optimistic because Bristol Rovers are flirting with with promotion stroke playoffs um, uh, towards the championship. And it, it's a, again, it's a, a good question because it puts some flesh on the bones of one of your big bugbears, the the championship. What does it cost for a team like Bristol Rovers to stay in the championship wages wise? And if a team like Yeovil doesn't spend to try deliberately doesn't spend to try and compete and they're happy to come straight back down is it worth them having a see is yeah we talk about one season in the premier league is 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 the promised land that's all you need is it the same lower down so for yeovil getting one season in the championship is that them say them sorted for 10 years now Probably not for 10 years, but one season in the championship is certainly worth it from from a smaller club's perspective. And the reason for that is twofold. First of all, the TV money goes up from 1 million to 7 million. So for a club such as Joval that's operating on, on, a, on a small budget yeah. of 3 to 4 million a year. Um, so that, that, will, that will effectively keep the club going for, for two to three years. Um, you've also got the benefit of Leeds, Derby, Forest, Borough, all of these uh, well-known clubs whose fans haven't been to Yeovil, so therefore they're going to sell out every away ticket, yeah. which you're not going to be doing that the case when, when you're hosting Walsall or you're hosting Rochdale or other clubs in League One. So you're going to get extra money coming in. And it certainly has worked because um, Rotherham uh, announced their results recently and Rotherham made the biggest profits of any club in the championship in 2018-19. Wow. Now... In a quiz question, that was a pub quiz question. Yeah, of course. You would not get too many correct answers in respect of that. Were you surprised by that? Um, I, I know Rotherham are well run, um, and um, I, I'd, I'd put I'd put some stuff out to Twitter. In fact, they've invited both you and I to go and see how they operate because this is they say we're a really smart run club. I'd like to do that. Yep the the average uh, the average wage at Rotherham three thousand six hundred pounds a week. And we're going. Well, hold on, that's still one hundred eighty grand a year. But the average in, in the championship as a whole is 16 grand a week. So they're on substantially lower wages. They've been promoted and they've just said, we're going to carry on as we have before. How did they attract players then? I mean, what? I know £3,600 a week is a lot of money, but in, in terms of the figures that we bandy about, it's not, is it really? If, if, if other championship clubs will pay them, as you say, 16000 17000 plus... How did Rotherham attract players on that model? Well, they, they will have had players who have come up from League One on existing contracts. Now, those players will actually be quite happy because those players will have had their wages doubled. Yeah, yeah, fair and, point, yeah. And, and, and you're fishing in a different pond. So, so what, they, what Rotherham will have said to players is, is, look, nobody else in the championship's interested in you. We're willing to pay you like three and a half grand a week. You, we're going to put you in the shop window because you are going to be playing. If you, if you, you play well against Leeds, if you play well, yeah. well against Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. you're going to get yourself noticed. So it, it's still an attractive proposition from the player's point of view. 
even so, it, it means that you're not attracting the same calibre of players. Yeah, Rotherham were relegated. They're, they're now back in League One, but from a financial point of view, they're still in a strong position. The fans are grumbling a little bit, but I think they're a really smartly run club. And I, I don't know if you've really been to the New York Stadium. No. Um, it's it, it, it's it's pretty impressive. It's a, it's a good little setup they've got there. Well, let's go. I look forward to a trip to the Millers. So, if, if you're a Bristol Rovers club owner, to further answer Tom's question, and, and you do get into the the Championship, and presumably that's going to be the height of your ambition for quite some time for a club the size of Bristol Rovers. Would you be looking to maximise, horrible word, um, owning, you know, look, would you be looking for new shirt sponsors? Would you be looking for new ground sponsors? Is, do, you, do you try and cash in as much as possible? Or do you, presumably there'll be a contract with the original shirt sponsors and so on and so forth. Would that automatically generate more money? Yeah, there's, norm, there's normally uh, clauses yeah. for promotion. Um, yeah, I mean, the commercial department, they'll be, they'll be doing handstands because... Um, for a start, you know, when when Leeds come to town, there's a good chance that that will be chosen by Sky for a live broadcast because Leeds haven't been to Bristol Rovers for so many years. And there's the and romance nor, of it all. Neither have the broadcasters. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So I interrupted you were in full flow then, wouldn't you? But then you stopped. I've forgotten what I was saying. <laughs> the, Baron, the Baron never forgets anything. How can a man who doesn't drink or take drugs forget anything? Um, so it's well, it's obviously it's worth getting the championship. So a, a sensible club owner would see it as an opportunity to keep the club afloat for several years rather than just trying to cash in in the short term. That's right. And you know, going back to what you were saying about players, remember we had Darren Robinson in a few weeks ago and he said it's, it's attitude of players which is more important than, than talent to a certain extent. So if Rotherham do get promoted, their aim is survival. You've got players who have come down from the Premier League who well, they, they don't want to go to Rotherham. They, they, they're they're on they're on big contracts. They also they they're not familiar with the Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday uh, form of existence in the Championship. Whereas the players in Rotherham they come up from League One and League Two. It's it's what they are used to, and you know they're, they're aiming to get that that uh, avoidance of relegation. Um, and and they fought pretty well. They only went down I think the last two games of the season. Uh, well, Tom, thank you for that question, and um, thank you to everybody who sent a question in to our new Monday Questions Pod. Uh, if you want to send a question, please, it's questions at priceoffootball.com. And the Price of Football is a Dap Dip production. And this is the bit I hate where, please, leave us, please, come on, look at these eyes. Look at the way I'm fluttering my eyelashes. Please leave us a review on your whatever platform you wish to, but make sure it's a good one. And then, you know, guys' algorithms will be perfectly in tune. See you next time. Cheerio now. The Price of Football. Bye, son, for the